Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, June 17th, 2019. This is a normal-ish program. We're going to be listening to Beth Moore and Rick Warren and Mark Batterson. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Like everything. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which... Help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop. Open up your Bible and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. And sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, <gasps> self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the the Word of God. <clears throat> yeah, weird how that works. Uh and over again, we demonstrate that they, the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. It is just utter pandemonium and a complete doctrinal mess out there. And part of the problem has to do with autonomianism. I'll explain that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I think you kind of get the idea. So this is a program designed to help you, to assist you, to equip you and uh, and so the way we do it is through the comparing and contrasting think of it this way is is that a good photograph you know oftentimes you know the the better ones well there's a good difference between the highlights and the shadows yeah <laughs> so uh that let's to say that we point out the shadows and explain why them is, they are theological shadows and then highlights you know we we, we highlight correct yeah, I'm not sure if that one worked. But anyway, you get the idea. So let's talk about what it is we're going to be doing on this installment of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a Beth Moore update. Yeah, Beth Moore. She recently preached a sermon. Yeah, a full-blown sermon. And this is uh, this is new for her. You know, she's uh, a Bible teacher at large in visible evangelicalism. 
and uh, and she it took an invite to preach the sermon from the pul- pulpit. Well, it was more like a stage. But uh, she took an invite to preach an actual sermon during the sermon time at uh, you know kind of a well-known mega church, and so we're going to look at that. But we're going to do a little front-loaded teaching. I'll explain that when we get to it. Uh, after that, we're going to take a break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to be hearing from Mark Batterson and Rick Warren on uh, hearing God's voice. So that will be today's installment of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground we need to cover. So since we're going to begin with a Beth Moore update, let's do this. Able to narsegate a biblical text faster than a hummingbird on three caramel macchiatos from Starbucks. It's now time for autonomianism with Beth Moore. You said, what? What What is autonomianism? I'll explain it in a minute. But uh, you kind of get the idea. But let's, let's enjoy this flight of the bumblebees, shall we? Makes me nervous listening to it. Now, the name of this segment is titled The Rise of the Autonomians. Rise of the Autonomians. And let me do this. I'm going to uh, do a little PowerPoint presentation, if you would, and kind of introduce you to a concept. Now, those of you who pay attention to some of the kerfuffles that have been happening with invisible Christianity, especially evangelicalism, over the past, I would say, five, six years, you may have heard a term, a word called antinomianism. Antinomianism, against the law. Antinomians are those who say, well, now that I'm a Christian, the law has nothing to say to me. And antinomian preachers have this really weird habit of, like, never getting to the back end of an epistle where our good works are laid out for us. Now, it's not the purpose of this installment of Fighting for the Faith to talk about the three uses of God's law, but understand this. There are three uses. The first use is the civil uses, is the use used by the government to curb evil. Second use is the theological use, which convicts us of our sin. This is the primary function of the law, to convict us of our sin and to basically silence us so that we stand guilty before God and recognize that we stand guilty before God. It's because of that, then, the law reveals our sin and our need for a Savior. Christ, then, we understanding the gospel, that Christ has bled and died for us, we being regenerated through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now the law informs us what good works are. Yeah, what our good works are. And so that's the third use of the law. Now, all of that being said, those are not quite the categories that I'm going to be uh, working from as we talk about autonomians. Autonomians are utterly lawless, and here's what I mean by that. So, um, coming to it, let's kind of go. 
Uh, Judges 17.6 will be our governing text. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, that that is an autonomian. Uh, autonomy, by the way, the uh, autos, self. Autos is a Greek word, means self. Namas, law. Somebody who is truly autonomous is one who is self-governed. They are a law unto themselves. You think about what's happening in the world today where people are so autonomous, and I mean they are law unto themselves, that they have they refuse to embrace what God has made them, either male or female. And so as a result of that, they reject what God has made them. And being auto- truly autonomous, they, uh, they then decide for themselves what their gender is. That's autonomy. It's full-on lawlessness. The one who is self-governed and will not be governed by any authority. So the, the question comes up, is any Christian or any Christian congregation autonomous? Now, it's a little bit of a trick question because the answer is, well, clearly some Christians and some congregations are behaving autonomously, and that's the problem. That's the problem. It's ultimately lawlessness. You know, no Christian is autonomous because, and here's our kind of governing text, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. An autonomous Christian is one who claims to be a Christian who will not submit to the authority of Christ or will pick and choose that those things that Christ has commanded that they will recognize as a command coming from him. So they reject this idea that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. And the the autonomous Christian, which again is an oxymoron, could probably say, well, some authority has been given to Jesus. I, I'll consider his opinion, but uh, at the end of the day, I'll be making the decision. So note then what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 30 through 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you're truly a disciple of Jesus, you're going to abide in his word. You're going to recognize that he is authoritatively speaking to you through his word. Now, a little bit of a note, Jesus Christ is none other than God in human flesh. That is exactly who he is. So John eight forty seven, Jesus said, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So don't sit there and tell me that you are of God when you are attacking and refusing to believe and to abide by and obey or recognize the authority that God has over you as a Christian regarding all kinds of things, including your moral character, 
you know, commands that you are to obey and things that you are not to engage in, as well as how things are governed and run in Christ's church, his church, not yours, his. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why people don't hear them, you know, abide in them, guard them, is that they're not of God. So it is not the mark of a Christian to refuse to hear and obey uh, God in his word. That's the mark of an unbeliever. Jesus himself said so. Next text, then, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Scripture is theonoustos. It is breathed out by God. So no Christian is autonomous. No Christian who claims to be a Christian has the right to be autonomous. And an autonomous Christian is one who is lawless, one who refuses to bend the knee to Christ as, and what he has commanded in his word and fails to recognize that all Scripture is breathed out by God and that we are bound by what God has commanded us through his written word. Now, all of that being said, we'll kind of throw a few things up here and consider a couple more things as we delve into the topic. First John chapter 3, verse 4 says this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And then Christ himself says in Matthew seven twenty one, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And here's your uh, key word, you workers of lawlessness. Those who are completely autonomous, they are laws unto themselves. And then one of Jesus's rebukes against the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23, 27 and 28, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and what? Lawless. Yeah, we we live in very, very disturbing days where people are literally eschewing the express commands of God. Let me give you an example of how this argument works using something that would seem silly on its surface, but uh, we'll kind of look at the shape of the argument. Let's say that you and I have a friend, and the friend's name is uh, Rodney, and Rodney is committing adultery. So Rodney being an adulterer, we go to Rodney and we say, Rodney, you're committing adultery. You need to repent and, you know, and you need to ask Christ to forgive you and you need to leave your, your adulterous woman and, you, you know, that you are shacking up with and repent. And Rodney says, yeah, no, um, I believe that, uh, that this woman that I'm committing adultery with that she's my soulmate. And you sit there and go, 
what? Yes, in fact, God told me that she was my soulmate, and and I believe that I am doing the will of God by leaving my wife and and uh, and committing adultery with such and such a woman. And then, so what do you do? You you pull out some clear biblical text. You say, Rodney, it says in Exodus twenty fourteen, you shall not commit adultery. And Leviticus 18.20 says, You shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife, and so make yourself unclean with her. And then, and, and then consider what it says in Deuteronomy 22.22. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman, and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. And then the, what does it say in, in Proverbs? Proverbs 6.32, He who commits adultery lacks sense, and he he who... Uh, who does it destroys himself. And don't forget what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, uh, 9 through, uh, yeah, actually just verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers. None of them, you go on to the next verse, will inherit the kingdom of God. So you say to Rodney, don't you see it says in Scripture Yes, yeah, they they will not they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Adulterers won't. You need to repent. And so, what does Rodney say to you? Listen, listen, listen. Those are all clobber texts. Yeah. See, I you, the fact that you are whipping out your clobber texts to try to prove to me that adultery is and monogamy. You know, you know, staying with one woman is somehow the thing that God would want me to do. Well, I, I reject that because all you're doing is taking out these clobber texts to kind of beat me over the head and beat me into submission, you Bible thumpers. And you'll note what the problem is. The problem is that Rodney, in this particular case, he's truly autonomous. He's lawless. He's a law unto himself. And so what does he do? He attacks the word of God and says, oh, that's a clobber text. That's a clobber text. How dare you tell me not to commit adultery? That's a clobber text in order to not hear what God's word says. So, you know, coming back to, uh, you know, my little presentation here, what did Jesus say? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you don't hear them is that you're not of God. Or Jesus said in John eight thirty through 32, to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, all of that's groundwork for uh, what we're going to do. You got the concept then uh, regarding what autonomy is. Autonomy is self-law, being self-governed. You are a law unto yourself, and you don't submit to any authority. You are the highest authority. You are the Supreme Court. You are the highest authority in the land. But in Christ's church, all authority has been given to him. So what we're going to do now is we're going to head over to Transformation Church. Transformation Church. And uh, early in the month of June, Transformation Church invited Beth Moore to preach their Sunday morning sermon. Sunday morning sermon. I would argue that this is living proof that Beth Moore is truly autonomous. She is not submitted to the authority of Christ and the word of God, and she's off being lawless. This is an example of utter lawlessness on her part, and we'll explain along the way. Let's 
let uh, Derwin Gray explain uh, what's going to be happening there at Transformation Church. Hey, what's happening, Transformation Church? We are about to start our summer series, and we are kicking off with the one and the only Beth Moore. Now, I could talk about all the books she sold, all the Bible studies that have influenced us, but what I want you to know is Beth Moore is a real person, and she's a friend. And and, and so you're going to get blessed because she's going to teach the Bible, she's going to teach the gospel, and we're going to be transformed by the Spirit of God. So could you welcome my good friend, the one and the only, Beth Moore. All right, so you got the setup, Transformation Church, that Sunday morning, Beth Moore is delivering the sermon. Transformation Church, you have stolen my heart today. I will tell you that it will be hard for me to go on, get to the airport and head home. It will be difficult to leave you. What a fabulous church. I wonder who else is in the room that has never been before today. Can I see your hand? Because there's just an outpouring of joy here that is remarkable. I love the leaders of this church so much. I love Derwin and Vicki Gray. They are some of my favorite people in the body of Christ. You are so blessed to have their leadership. Humble, godly people. And I. Yeah, I would argue um, by disobeying the clear instructions of God and Christ in the written word of God. Um, Derwin Gray is anything but humble. He's arrogant and lawless. I admire them. So I got to tell you, I was very, very moved uh, by the seniors. If you're just joining us by live stream, you may not know that we have gotten to be introduced to the seniors that have just graduated or just. Now, what I'm going to do, she's going to talk about the seniors there for a few minutes or actually like just a little bit. I'm going to fast forward to the next part where she's done addressing you know, talking about the seniors, the kids that, who are just graduated there. And it made me think of something that I want to say to you. And as I bring the message today, I want you to know that I will have you in my mind. And I pray this will be to all of you. But there's nothing I love more than thinking that somebody may be in class. I'm a teacher by trade, a Bible teacher by trade. And there's nothing that, that thrills me more than to think maybe someone is new to it. Maybe someone doesn't know that this is a book like no other book. I agree. Yeah, I just read from 2 Timothy 3 that all scriptures say anustos, God breathed. And the one who truly hears God's word is of God and the one who won't hear it isn't of God. Yeah, I Complete agreement there. That these are living words because the Holy Spirit himself inspired them. Yeah, that's right. God's word is living and active. Holy Spirit inspired. And quickens them. That they're not just dead words on a page that we admire. Exactly. They are not just dead words on a page that we admire. You know, like this particular text, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 8 is where I'll start for the sake of context. The Apostle Paul, writing Scripture, even Peter recognizes that Paul's words are Scripture, says this, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves with respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, 
not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So you'll note that the Apostle Paul, writing living words, inspired by God, breathed out Theonoustos words, makes it very clear that a woman is not to exercise authority over a man in Christ's church, the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. And using his authority, he has said that women are not to teach and exercise authority over men. In other words, preaching a sermon on Sunday in a mixed congregation like this, absolutely forbidden. It's not allowed. That's what God said, whether you like it or not. And you can sit there and go, well, that's a clobber passage. No, it's exactly what God has commanded, what Christ has commanded. All authority has been given to him. And if you are autonomous, then you won't submit to the authority of Christ. And I would argue that this visual right here is living proof that Beth Moore is autonomous, lawless. She is not submitting to the authority of Christ, while at the same time praising the fact that God's word is inspired and that it's living and things like that. And that we find sacred. No, these are the living, eternal words of God on the page. And I want to tell you. Right. The living words of the eternal God on the page. Kind of like these words taken from 1 Corinthians 14, which explicitly says that this is a command. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the Torah. The law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Note here, the limitation is for Christian women to not exercise authority over men in church. Christian women have all the authority to proclaim Christ, to defend Christ, to preach the gospel, in every other place except for in the church. Yeah, you kind of get the point. That's reserved for men. And that's not my command. That's Christ's through his word. So, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or a spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command. Of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So again, note, this is a command of the Lord. This isn't a command of Chris. This is a command of Christ. And no Christian is autonomous. All true Christians are submitted to the authority of Christ because all authority has been given to him. Coming back then, we go back to our study here we continue 
It sort of takes seeing that and you see it all the time in Derwin when you see someone that's really like lit up in the scriptures. And and that's what happened to me. I was already what you would call a motivational speaker at that time, a Christian motivational speaker. I'd started that in my early 20s. But when I was 27 years old, my church asked me if I would sub for one year a women's Sunday school class from they were ages about 28 to 31 so the youngest one was older than I was but would I sub while a woman was going to be out on maternity leave from teaching the class and it was just it was just a treacherous year because you know I just thought up things to talk about and then I got panicked on Saturday because I think where is me a scripture to go with it anybody know what I'm talking about here and I, I, I'm not going to say that we didn't have fun we had a blast my, my class was packed but it's just that you know what we, we really weren't studying the scriptures. And so I, I was just terrible. And I thought if I just could get through this, I'm just going to be a speaker. This is not what I want to do. I just want to be a speaker. I want to get me a few messages and I want to give them a lot of times. And that's how I want to do this thing. And so my church offered a Bible doctrine class and I was toward the end. I just said, Lord, get me through this year. And I guess I was about at the nine month point of, of the year, just a couple of more months to go. But it was like, it was looking at my church, um, what we called a bulletin um, in those days and had all the information of things that were being offered at the church. And so Sunday evening during the discipleship hour, Bible doctrine class. And I mean, it was like, I heard a voice from heaven going, go for crying out loud, go before you kill all of us and they're eternal. And so it's just like, I went and I remember thinking I got, I got my, my Bible that had this very beautiful, 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 still gold edges. And, um, my, uh, I got me a new notebook. I got me colored pens, everything. And I went to class. I dressed cute. Cause I thought, you know, if you're not having a good time, you at least could look cute. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That makes you feel better about where you are. And, and so I just, I made sure that I, I dressed really cute and, and I was there and ready to go. And it was a small class because you know, it was just the people, the martyrs were there. The martyrs were there. And so I, I was in class sitting, sitting, waiting, and a man walks up the size of your pastor, former football player. I mean, he is just like as thick as he is wide, solid muscle. And he walks to that podium and he throws open the biggest mess of a Bible I've ever seen in my life. How the pages were still hanging in it. I will never know. And he opened his mouth and he began to teach. And I was mesmerized, mesmerized. I had never seen anything like that in my entire life. I had known people. I was raised in the church. I had known lots of lots and lots of servants of Christ. I have known true servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, humble servants drawing no attention to themselves, laboring hard for the work of the gospel. I've known missionaries all of my life, but I, I had never seen anyone love the scriptures more than they would love their next meal. I'd never seen that. I'd never seen somebody that you knew would rather do it than anything else on earth that he'd rather study. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take a single note. I don't know that I, that I flipped to a single scripture. I was completely flabbergasted. And at the end of that class, I, I ran to my car. I did not stay after and talk nothing. I ran to my car and I got in the car, slammed the door shut. And I said to the Lord, I don't know what that was, but I want it. I want it. 
And it was like he struck a match against a stone and set it in my heart. And I'm telling you, he lit a fire in me I could not even look up from. To this day, as of this morning, that same fire just rages in my heart to study the scriptures. I love it so much. I have. No, you don't. You don't get to say that you love the scriptures so much while the very video I'm playing shows that you are in utter defiance against what God has commanded. You don't get to claim that anymore. That, that's gone. You are not a sound Bible teacher. You do not love the word of God. You hate it. If you loved it, you would obey it and abide by it and keep it. And instead, you have chosen to outright give the middle finger to Christ and to God and say, I am going to be a law unto myself, and I'm going to refuse to obey what, what you have written in your word, which you so rightly pointed out is breathed out by God and is living and active. So moving forward, now that uh, Beth Moore, we have video living proof that she's preached a sermon, she doesn't get to say she loves God's word. She hates it. If she loved it, she would recognize that what she did was sinful and she would repent and she would encourage women to embrace what God has commanded and the limits that he has put on them, you know, regarding who is to be preaching and teaching in Christ's church, the one to whom all authority has been given. But in the meantime, I think we can definitively say that Beth Moore is autonomous. She is a law unto all right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackandfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Mark Batterson and Rick Warren about hearing God's voice. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough! Of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. <clears throat> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. I don't know why we have to come to these small group sessions. They're just so boring. 
Hey, if you find that small groups just aren't that interesting or fun anymore, that's quite literally what I just said. Then we have the product just for you. New from Los Lobos Ministries is Beth Moore's Biblical Mad Libs. Well, what is it? Simple. Beth Moore's Biblical Mad Libs are an entire booklet loaded with fill-in-the-blank Bible passages. Aren't we supposed to read the scriptures the way they were originally written? Not if you want to spice up your small group Bible studies. With Beth Moore's Biblical Mad Libs, you can make every passage be about you. Isn't scripture about Jesus? Only if you want it to be. In our postmodern age, it's stupid to think that such a thing as absolute truth actually exists. Every passage is open to interpretation. Read the example. But now that you have been set free from financial debt and have become warriors of God, the fruit you get leads to better sex and eternal life. For the wages of sin are smelly diapers, but the free gift of God is a really good tax return in Jesus Christ our Lord. That was absolutely heretical. Why would anyone butcher scripture like this? Because modern-day Christians like you don't endure sound doctrine. By popular demand, you've appointed leaders in the church who've given your itching ears what they want to hear and haven't looked back since. Ha! Suckers! This is just horrible. If you thought it couldn't get any worse, then you're just as foolish as Naval. We've already expanded the Biblical Mad Lib franchise to include alternate Bible translations. That can't be good. You're right! It isn't! We now have Biblical Mad Libs in The Voice, the NIV, the KJV, the NKJV, and, for a limited time only, we have the Furtick Audaciously Revised Translation. Wait, doesn't that last one spell? Yes, it does spell fun. Not just fun for you, but for the entire small group. We've even created a Biblical Mad Libs Junior Edition to get the kids twitching scripture from a young age. I would never buy this for my children. Lucky for you, you don't have to. We're handing out free copies to every youth group in the nation. Plus, we're also including a special copy of Elevation Church's The Code Coloring Book for a little extra heretical flavor. You're not going to get away with this. You can't stop us. We're already in control. Resistance is futile. Exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and... 
It's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee. And it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Yeah. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith um, could cause you to think that women are not allowed to actually be preaching sermons during church, because the Bible says that. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you will see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button. If you would like to support us by... Uh, you know, becoming a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. And if you'd like to support us the traditional analog way, you can do that as well. You make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along. I don't know how I know, but I'm gonna find my purpose. I don't know where I'm gonna look, but I'm gonna find my purpose. Gotta find out, don't wanna wait. Got to make sure that my life will be great. Gotta find my purpose before it's too late. We're going to be heading over to Saddleback Church. We'll also throw in a little Mark Batterson to boot to kind of show the confusion that is taught within evangelicalism today about hearing the voice of God. We'll also do a little fact-checking with the Word of God itself. So uh, make yourself comfortable. Let's get to it. Here's uh, Rick Warren from a sermon he delivered a couple years back on hearing the voice of God. One of the basic tenets of scripture is that God has revealed himself, that God has made himself known to us, that God speaks. 
All through the Bible, we see this phrase, and God said. And God said this, and God said that, and God said this, and God said that. God speaks. And you were created to have a relationship with God. Now, note what he's doing here. He's not beginning with a biblical text. Instead, he's uh, beginning with the fact, well, yeah, God speaks, true. But second point is based upon a major axiom within evangelicalism that is not well-defined. And that is, is that you are to have a relationship with God. Now, this is most certainly true, and that Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, has restored our relationship to God by reconciling us to the Father through his vicarious penal substitutionary death for our sins on the cross. This is most certainly true. But what ends up happening is is that people hear relationship talk and they go with their experience of relationships to define what their theology is rather than letting God and his word define how our relationship to God works. So that's what Rick is doing here. God made you to love you, and he wants you to know him as well as he knows you. Now, in order to know God, in order to have a relationship, you got to talk to him, and he's got to talk to you. Okay, um, let's just work that out a little bit here. Sure, God does talk to me. In fact, there isn't a day that goes by that God does not talk to me. And yet, I have yet to hear his voice at all. And I've never learned how to tune into a God radio station. No. Instead, it goes something more like this. The Apostle Paul, writing to young Pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, says to him, You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, gramata, mm-hmm, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture, and here it's graphe, all graphe, all scripture is breathed out, theonoustos, breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Yeah, that's right. God speaks to me every day. And he speaks to me through the written word of God. There is not a day that goes by that I do not hear from God. Okay? But I always hear from him through his written word. Now, this is why Paul then goes on to charge young Pastor Timothy that I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance in his kingdom to preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So you'll note here, God speaks. Indeed, he speaks to us through his word. And through his written word, we are equipped for every good work that we are to do as Christians. Now, we'll kind of dogpile onto this, and I want to take a look at John chapter 17. This is Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer, and there's something interesting that Jesus says in this text as it relates to, shall we say, hearing the word, the voice of God. And so Jesus here says, I'm praying for them, his, his disciples, and I am praying not for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled." But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. Now watch what happens. I have given them your word, Jesus says. So Jesus speaks the word of the Father. How do we hear the voice of the Father? Through Jesus Christ. Um, where did he, Which books did he write? He didn't write any. Okay. So you'll note then there's kind of a hierarchy in how this all works. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the uh, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And this is key. So the father sends the son. The son speaks the words from the father. The the son calls his disciples and he speaks the word of the father to them. Uh Uh-huh. And he sends them into the world the same way he was sent into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, Jesus says, that they may also be sanctified in the truth. So I do not ask for these only, Jesus says, but now also for those who will believe in me through their word. And their word is the word of Christ. And their word is being the word of Christ is the word of the Father. So you see how that works. So I I do not ask only for these, but also those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and me, and I, and you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So how then do we believe? Jesus didn't write anything. We believe through the writings, the grammata of the apostles. We are those who believe through their words and their words were given to them by Christ and Christ's words are given to them by the father. That's how it works. So you want to hear the voice of God? You're going to hear it through their word, through the apostolic word written in the scriptures. This is most certainly true.
true. So we come back to Rick Warren. You've got to have a communication. Without communication, there is no relationship. Uh Uh-oh. So are you saying, Rick, that if I'm not hearing the audible voice of God, I'm not a Christian? Now, the problem is communication can be easily misunderstood. Would you agree with that? I mean, with people, much less God. You know, uh, when Kay speaks to me, (laughs) A, I don't always hear, and B, even when I do hear, I don't always understand. Now, we've been married 35 years. It gets better, but I still don't always hear, and I still don't always understand. Uh, Those of you guys who are newlyweds, uh, let me give advice to some of you men. Guys, you need to understand that there are two things you must understand about women. But nobody knows what they are. So you're going to be in the dark the rest of your life. Now, I deeply love my wife, deeply, but I don't always hear her and I don't always understand her even when I do hear her. And so certainly I should expect that in my relationship to God. However, I will tell you this, it gets easier. It really does. It gets easier over time. You know, after 35 years of marriage, when my wife calls, she doesn't have to say, this is Kay. I know her voice. Now, again, this is all based upon experience. And this um, a poorly defined concept of what it means to have a relationship with God. She knows my voice. And now after walking with God, for a long, long time, for over 40 years, I want you to know, I know his voice. And it's easier to figure out now when it's just me talking to myself or I've got an idea off of a radio or when it's really God. It, it's a lot easier now, yeah. It does get easier, just like in a marriage. I now, I'm going to point something out here. You know, evangelicals talk a lot about the importance of hearing the voice of God, and there is no uniformity in their teaching. Uh, last year, uh, Mark Batterson published the book Whisper, and uh, and he likens uh, the, the, this hearing the voice of God to learning a whole bunch of different languages. Yeah, I'll let him explain. Yeah, first of all, can you hear God's voice outside of reading the scripture? Yeah. Well, I mean, the good answer, the good news is the answer is yes. Uh, in fact, you know, Randy, there are people who say they've never heard the voice of God. And I, I get that, that maybe you haven't heard his audible voice. Right. But in the beginning, he said, uh, let there be light. And everything that is, is an echo of those four words. So really, everything is the byproduct of God's voice. Mm-hmm. So his voice is all around us all the time. Just because it's the byproduct of God's voice doesn't mean that it's it's a voice that we're supposed to be hearing. You, you understand what I'm saying here? Uh, but of course, what I talk about in this book is is really learning to uh, discern His voice and talk about seven different languages that God speaks in, and mm. and it's a process. It's like learning Spanish or French or German or any other language. You know, it's 
So God speaks in seven different languages, and now I've got to learn seven different languages. <laughs> Which biblical text says that? By the way, I know English. I know some Spanish. Uh, biblical Hebrew, modern Hebrew, and Greek. But, um, yeah, I use the biblical Hebrew and the Greek to uh, help me uh, understand the the word of God, the written word of God in the original languages. But he's saying that God speaks to us in seven different languages. Where does it say that in the Bible? It's it's this process of learning to to discern his voice and learning those languages. Mm -hmm. Again, I point out, if go back to the teaching I did a couple weeks ago on, on Balaam. This was a fellow who was a complete pagan and a scumball. And he heard the voice of God, no problemo, and knew exactly who was talking to him. Over and again, I have to, I have to reiterate this. The people who are saying that you, it's response, it's your responsibility to hear the voice of God and learn how to, uh, well, now learn seven different languages that God is speaking. It's up to you. It's up to you to do this. This is nonsense. We're talking about an omniscient, omnipresent being, God, Almighty, Jesus Christ, the, 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 the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. If he's going to be speaking to you, there's no way that you're going to go, uh, it was, uh, I'm not sure if that was my head or... Whether or not that was Jesus or not, you know? So you, 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 the whole premise of this is off, and there's no biblical text that teach these things. There, Like I said, there is no uniformity in evangelicalism about how you go about hearing the word of God. Now, remember what I asked Rick, because he you know, he, he said that, you know, that, you know, if, if you have a relationship with somebody, you got to be talking to them and you need to be hearing from them. So my question is, if I'm not hearing from God, does that mean I'm not saved? No, my wife's voice and she knows my voice. And, uh, you know, when, when the devil gives you an idea, we call that temptation. When uh, God gives you an idea, we call that inspiration. When you get an idea, we call that stupidity. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. Uh, but people say, has God ever talked to you audibly? No. Why would he need to? He doesn't need to go through my ear. He can go directly to my mind. It's just like right now there are radio waves and there are TV waves going through this air that uh, that are there. They are real. You can't see them. They're actually pictures going through the air right now. You can't see it. That doesn't mean it's not real. It's real. But if you have a tuner, a radio, or a TV, and you tune in, you can get the message, and you can see the picture. And the key is tuning in. Again, this is absurd. God's up in heaven. Does anybody hear me? Hello? I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Has anyone tuned into my channel yet? Hello? Uh, hello? This is nonsense. Gobbledygook. You know, so God's out there communicating on radio waves, and it's up to you to learn how to tune in so that you can hear it. No biblical text teaches this either. It's a lot easier just to go, wait a second. 
all scripture is, you know, theonoustos. Uh, God breathes, so that means that God's talking to me through, you know, his living, active word. Right, because that's how he talks to us. You got to know how to tune in. And this weekend, we're going to look at how do you tune in to hear God speak to you? I can have the finest Bose radio. Yeah, yeah. But again, this is not theology. This is just analogy. And it's not even based on a biblical text. But if it's not tuned into the channel, I'm still not going to hear the radio program, no matter how good the equipment is. Right, yeah. Most of you don't remember this because you're not that old. But back in the 70s, there was a thing called the CB radio craze. Oh, yeah. I remember it well. Yeah. You want to get an example of the culture that was around that, I, I would recommend the movie Smokey and the Bandit. Good place to start. And first, truckers had these CB radios, citizen band radios, in their car. And then people started putting them in their car. And there was a whole lingo about it. And they made a bunch of movies about it. And there were phrases like, put your pedal to the metal and 10-4, good buddy. And one of the phrases of the CB craze was, have you got your ears on? And that meant is, are you tuned in? Are you listening? Well, that's not actually a new concept. 2,000 years before the CB radio craze, Jesus said something like that. <laughs> okay, let's just... By the way, there, there's an actual phrase for this kind of error. This is called a historical anachronism. This is an anachronism. This would be like me saying, you know... Jesus, you know, his favorite food was microwave burritos. You're going, really? He he liked microwave burritos? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, of course, there in Scripture, too, you know, the disciples, uh, they were into Hondas. Really? The disciples were into Hondas? Well, of course they were. They were all in one accord, you know. (laughs) This is a historical anachronism, Okay. So for him to sit there and go, okay, in the CB radio craze, people would say, do you got your ears on, good buddy? Which is basically meaning, are you tuned in? So you'll note, he began with the illustration, not the biblical text. So the illustration, the analogy now is governing the interpretation of whatever biblical text he's going to right now. However, it can't mean this. Because it's a historical anachronism. There were nobody, there were nobody back in the day in Jesus' time using any kind of radios at all in any shape or form. That, That didn't come about until the first wirelesses with Marconi. So, yeah, this is, so note, the thing that's governing the interpretation of this text is Rick Warren's analogy, but his analogy is an anachronism. So this is an invalid interpretation right off the bat. Notice there on your outline, if you take out your message notes, in Luke chapter 8, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> oh, man. he! Why does anybody think that this guy is a solid Bible teacher? This is nonsense. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, so let's just put it into context and see. You know, you know, do you have your ears on, good buddy? So out of context, New International Version, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Man, this is bad. What's he saying? He's saying you got to be tuned in. 
<laughs> no, no. <laughs> and he's not saying you need to learn seven new languages. He didn't say that either, man. And today we're going to look at a famous story that Jesus told that mentions uh, how to tune in to God. <laughs> I'm having a hard time holding it together here because this is so absurd. Which is how to tune into God and hear God speak to us. But before we do that, I want to just quickly give you three reasons why this is important. Would you write these down? You may think, well, it's not important for me to hear from God. Oh, yes, it is. Because number one, it proves I'm in God's family. I Remember, I asked the question. So if I'm not hearing the voice of God outside of the scriptures, am I a Christian? According to Rick Warren, No. So if you're not hearing the voice of God, you're not tuned in and hearing his voice, you're not even in God's family. Wow. It proves I'm in God's family. It verifies that you're a believer. It confirms your relationship to God. If you don't have any communication with God, you don't have a relationship with God. you got to have communication in order to have a relationship. You talk to him and he talks to you. I mean, this is the difference between having a relationship and knowing about somebody. I could say, I know Tom Cruise. Now, I don't really know him, but I could say, I know Tom Cruise. You say, uh, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I write him all the time. Does he write you back? No. <laughs> I call him all the time. Does he call you back? No. Have you ever talked to him? No. Then you don't really have a relationship. You're just a fan. Okay, you're just a fan. And a lot of people are fans of God, but they don't have a relationship with God. God wants you to be able to communicate so if you ha never hear from God in your life, you have every reason to doubt that you have a relationship with him. Which means you're not saved. <laughs> so if I'm not receiving direct revelation from God, I'm not saved. No biblical text says this. Again, this is a theology based upon a poorly defined concept regarding relationship with God. And a twisting of God's word, using a historical anachronism, you know, <laughs> hey, good buddy, you got your ears on. And of course, if you're not hearing from God, you're not, you don't have a relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship with him, guess what? You're going to hell. Because if you got a relationship, you communicate with each other on a daily basis. It proves I'm in God's family. Second thing, it protects me from mistakes. It protects me from mistakes. Which biblical text says that? Now, here's a cool thing. If you actually do listen to God <clears throat> on a daily basis, you'll you tune in to his radio station because you got your ears on. you find that he's going to warn you some potholes, some traps, some bends in the road, and you'll save yourself a lot of time and energy and frustration and failure if you do it God's way. He will warn you in advance of traps. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 3, verse 6. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. From the message, paraphrase. Take a look at that. Proverbs 3. All right, let's see. Do this in Hebrew. All right, Proverbs 3. All right, let's see here. Trust in the Lord. We'll start in verse 5. The Proverbs are pretty pithy, so you don't need a super lot of context with them. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path and he will make straight your paths. That's the ESV translation. What is he reading from? 
listen for God's voice in everything you do. Yeah, see, the message isn't a translation. It's a really awful paraphrase. and You should avoid it like the plague. So the message is, this is not what it says. Notice he started with the NIV. Now he's into the message. Why did he go to the message? Because the message is, he can manipulate the biblical text to make it look like it fits the theology he's spewing. Yeah. And everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. I couldn't count the number of times that God has... Let, let, let me read that again. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So note now he's exegeting from the message and using it to say, well, see, this, I mean, I hear the voice of God all the time, says Rick Warden. And like the message says in Proverbs 3, 6, it's, oh, he's protecting me from stuff and stuff spared me from a failure, a mistake, or a major embarrassment when I just got that little word. And sometimes God only says one word to me, don't. And, and that's all he needs to say, don't, or no. Sometimes it's too, watch out. Sometimes God will save you the time and the money and the energy of making, going down the wrong path if you will listen to him. That's the third thing. Not only protects me from mistakes, it produces success in life. Now, I'm not talking about the way the world defines success of everybody's supposed to be. So it produces success in life. Yet he can't go to a single biblical text that exhorts Christians to tune in to KGOD. Nope, not a single biblical text teaches this. And every time he's handled a biblical text, he's twisted it and taken it out of context and made it say something that it doesn't. So, folks, if you want to hear the voice of God, and you should, you're going to hear God's voice in the written word of God. That's exactly what Jesus' point in John 17 was. When Jesus was on earth, he spoke the words that he received from the Father. And the Father sent him, and he spoke those words, and his disciples were kept in that word. Now he sent his disciples out as the apostles, and they were sent with the words of Christ, and that we believe through them. And even the apostles, as they're finishing up their course, are pointing us back to the written word of God. Let me, let me give you one more text before we wrap up for today. And we're going to take a look at Second Peter. Second Peter. And, you know, this is, uh, the, the last, this is the last written communication we have of uh, the apostle Peter. And as he's getting ready to finish his course and go to his death, he is he is instead of pointing them to people to experiences and things like that. He is pointing them to, well, the written word of God. And here's what he writes. Second Peter chapter one, starting verse 16. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God, the father, the voice and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So this is him recalling the account of the, uh, the transfiguration of Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. The, he even heard the voice of the Father. So, I mean, and note, he's, as he's finishing up his course, he's not pointing people to seek after these types of experiences and to hear the voice of the Father in that same way or anything even like that. And here's what he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed 
to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this, that first of all, no prophecy of Scripture, graphe, comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so you'll note the Apostle Peter, the great Apostle Peter, as he is finishing his course, you know, shortly after this, he was taken to a cross and crucified, and he protested the fact that he was not worthy to suffer the same death as Christ himself, and they listened to his protestations, and they ended up crucifying him upside down. It took him a couple of days to die. But you'll note, as Peter was finishing up his course, he pointed people not to experiences or to expect to hear the voice of the Father, instead pointed them to the written word of God, the graphe, and noted that this is not produced by the will of man, but men spoke as they were carried along by God. The very voice of God is now recorded for us in the living, active word of God. That's where God speaks to us, and you will be wise, as Peter says, to pay attention to that light shining in a dark place, the written word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. What Rick Warren is teaching, what Mark Batterson teaches, this is all nonsense that takes you away from the real voice of God to chase after voices that are like the sirens. These are voices that lead you to your destruction and to a shipwreck. You want to hear God's voice? Open up the word of God and read it. You want to hear God's word? You want to hear God's voice audibly? Well, then read the word out loud while you're reading it. You get the idea. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.